Hello, St. Martins and, and friends. Welcome to the In the Fields podcast, a podcast from St. Martins in the Fields in Columbia, South Carolina. My name is the Reverend Caitlin Darnell. I'm the Associate Rector here. My name is Mitch Smith. I'm the Rector here at St. Martins in the Fields, and we have a special guest today from Holy Cross in Sanford, Florida. My father, um, but the Reverend Dr. E. Daniel Smith. We'll go the full. We'll go the full thing, Dad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You left out Canon. I get called that all the time too. Yeah. So, so um, and I, Caitlin and I were talking yesterday, and of course, I called you on the road yesterday. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is that uh, I was on the road to an ordination. You're coming up on 41 years ordained. Uh, 40, 40 in, in January as a priest. And then I, I'm coming up on 16. And Caitlin is right in there coming up on one. And so it's kind of a fun, it's a, it's a fun triangle we have going on here. And I, I think we're most of the way to having everything we need for an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. Except for I think you're supposed to have a license from the bishop for that. And I asked, we probably know one or two of those we could call. I asked Andrew Waldo for a license and he wouldn't give it to me. So I, I begged him for one. Um, but that's a different story. We'll save that for a Halloween podcast. Um, but uh, uh, um, a lot's changed in the church. And one of the things that Caitlin and I have been exploring is, is, is as people come back to church, um, uh, all of the things that have changed. For instance, we're doing this podcast, a way of doing Christian education. You're doing an online Bible study now on Wednesday. Um, but just kind of going back, 1981 to now, you've seen a lot of changes in the church. What are some of the what are, what are some of those? Um, well, let's see. You know, I, some of the changes that I would have seen, you know, in this diocese, particularly, I'm in Diocese of Central Florida. Um, you know, uh, although 1976 women started to be ordained, that wasn't true in this diocese until 82 or 83, 84, someplace in there. Um, maybe a little bit, maybe even 85, you know, so I've seen that change. Um, you know, the prayer book that, you know, that some people think of as the new prayer book, but the only one that you've grown up with, you know, came into being in 79 while I was in seminary, um, with its emphasis on baptism and the ministry of the baptized, um, is, you know, certainly that's a change from the, uh, you know, the theology in some ways that the 28 prayer book. Um, emphasized um, Eucharist being, uh, you know, the central to um, worship, um, according to the prayer book. Although I grew up in a church in an Episcopal church where the Eucharist was central, but there was a lot of churches around in those days that um, had morning prayer um, and the Eucharist once a month. Uh, so I mean, those are some of the quick changes. I think um, the other big change that I see in the church in the last 40 years, I mean, it was really already starting in the early 80s when I was ordained, and it, you know, and really it was in the 70s probably that it started. Uh, but the real emphasis on lay ministry, you know, in the uh, the 60s particularly, and even into the 70s, there was still an awful lot of Father Knows Best out there. And Caitlin, I'm sorry, but it was Father's Knows Best <laughs> um, in the in a lot of ways in those days. Um, hey, well, when I'm right, I'll let somebody call me. Yeah, that'd be fine. But it's 
you know, those kind of changes, uh, the role of women, um, the role of um, the laity, um, leadership um, by both, um, some change in the in sort of the teaching of the church when you, you know, the people ask whether the Episcopal Church has dogma. I think it does. It's found in the prayer book um, and, you know, and how we worship. Um, and, you know, I think the role of baptism is, you know, is a big change. Um, and it, with its idea that ministry comes from baptism, not from ordination. And uh, to me, those are some of the major changes that I think you've seen over the last, um, you know, four decades. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. When I went to seminary and started, was starting my first year of seminary, that was right when Gene Robinson was running for bishop. Sure. And then... Yeah, and obviously, you know, the whole role of human sexuality has played, you know, has been a major change in in the church. I knew Gene Robinson when he was um, canon of the ordinary, um, because I was a canon of the ordinary in another diocese at that time. Um, Gene uh, did some significant work on Fresh Start, uh, uh, what was then an initiative for new clergy coming into ordination or into new cures. and I, you know, I just was around him um, in various national meetings and things like that. And, you know, that was just, but that was, boy, that was a significant change. I was not in this diocese at that time, uh, but this diocese, along with others around the country, went through some significant upheaval um, as a result of his um, ordination as a bishop. Well, and this diocese certainly did South Carolina, and then more to the extent our, our, our brothers and sisters on the coast with the diocese, the lower diocese, um, it, with uh, uh, everything that happened in Charleston with the properties that are still going on mm-hmm. and, right. and fights that are in the news even right now. Right. And so it's, it's just been an interesting thing. And then Caitlin gets ordained, um, and her ordination to the diaconate was the day after the national lockdown. Right. Um, I remember. So we, we were changing things up to the very last minute. I think you watched online, but it was the strangest. Yeah. I think I typed in a we will. <laughs> you know, that's, which is an odd way of doing it. But, you know, but I, you know, I can it remember It loses doing the echo that. that way. Yeah. In the, in the space. I remember I tried to take something of like a, you know, three hour quiet retreat before the ordination. I just took the morning to try to be quiet. And from the time that I kind of signed off to the time that I actually showed up at the ordination, we'd even stripped a bunch more people out of the service. And I had no idea when I showed up who was doing what. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a, just just an interesting time. It's, and um, theologically, as I, I was thinking about that in terms of, of yeah, we're all the world is in a constant state of change. Um, sometimes those, those moments seem bigger sometimes than they are, and sometimes they're huge. Um, but uh, uh, God's always calling us to the present and to to the right now where we do ministry. And I was thinking about last week's last week's reading from the gospel where D- Jesus said, um, "Don't call yourselves sons and daughters of Abraham." God can raise up children of Abraham from these very stones yeah. and, and reminding us that it, things are always changing, always evolving, always moving forward. Yeah. 
not to be the old man, but that was John the Baptist, not Jesus. You know, but yeah, I think change is, you know, I was, I was thinking about this not too long ago. I was in a conversation with, um, with uh, some other clergy uh, from various places actually. And they were, uh, they were talking about this whole online presence that we're, you know, that we're doing, whether it's podcasts or live streaming or YouTube channels or on Facebook or whatever else it may be. Uh, and they were all, and, and several of these uh, colleagues were talking about stopping it um, because they were afraid people weren't coming back to church and that it was providing an avenue for not being in church. And then others were telling me that it was, um, you know, that they didn't, like doing it because um, it made uh, worship too consumer based um, and it was, you know, and that way non-traditional. And I totally agree that it's non-traditional, but, um, you know, my experience with it so far has been, you know, so much better than that. But part of what spurred my own thinking in that was the whole idea of change. Um, I think sometimes in the church we get caught up in the past so much uh, that um, and 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 in some ways even get caught up in scripture, and I I like being caught up in scripture. I mean, you know, I'm I'm, you know, I love teaching Bible, preaching Bible, all that kind of stuff. But I think we have to remember that the Holy Spirit's still at work, and the Holy Spirit is still writing gospel. As far as I'm concerned, it's still writing good news. Um, it may never get inside of the canon of the of the Bible. Uh, but it's still being written on our hearts, I think. And um, I don't, uh, you know, I want to be in relationship with a God that's still active in the world, not, you know, not having completed everything and sitting back. Uh, you know, so change, I think change in the world. Yeah. Change in the church. Absolutely. You know, I think that it means that we have to change sometimes how we, um, you know, how we think about God, how we see our relationship with God you know, and how we, um, how we enter into community. And I think that's going to be, you know, boy, one of the big changes right now, I think, is what do we even mean by community? You know, we're a small congregation down here in Sanford, you know, a hundred, you know, average Sunday attendance or something like that pre-pandemic. Um, you know, right now where we are right now is we've probably got 120, 125 people every Sunday, but only 65 of those are actually in person. You know, and what does that what does that mean for worship, and what does that mean for community and the sense of building community? Uh, you know, those are the those are the changes that I'm experiencing right now that I don't I don't know what the answers are yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've heard a lot of people fret about you know online church is going to take away all of the people that might show up, you know, in the pews, um, and you know, obviously I'm seeing it from the perspective of one congregation, but I don't know that that's something I've particularly noticed. I've, I've heard a lot of other stories that have more of kind of a positive spin. So, right. The average church person, then, you know, I was very much guilty of this before I dove in with two feet, um, maybe comes to worship like once a month, maybe twice a month if they're super active. And then your core of people that are there absolutely every Sunday are really slim given kind of the full stretch of a congregation. But I've heard so many stories from folks who ordinarily would have only been a, you know, we kind of muster on the church shoes and actually make it in a pew once a month kind of folks who 
are putting on the service those Sundays when they're at the house and still listening to the readings, listening to the prayers, listening to the sermon, being formed by the music. Um, so there's a real formation piece to that online worship as well, that even those Sundays when, you know, for whatever of the various reasons, your spirit doesn't quite get you out the door. Right. You're, you're still being formed by the ways that we have promised to pray together and, and to be together. Um, and most recently I went and made a visit and gave last rites to someone and their daughter was telling me that right before they, um, really lost most of their cognition, um, you know, they kind of mumbled something about wanting to, to see church or be at church. And the daughter said, Oh, well, I can put on the live stream for you. And so they watch Sunday church as somebody who's been homebound for years and years. They watch Sunday church. She heard her name in the prayers of the people. And one of the last full sentences she spoke was they remember me. Right. There's community. What does it say about our community where folks who Mm -hmm. ordinarily we would have to only send lay Eucharistic ministers to when we could can still feel connected into the places they've usually helped build. Yeah. Well, I would say that story would preach. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to preach it at the funeral this this Saturday. Actually. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean that, would, that would preach, you know, at any time. And I think that that's that's part of what I'm trying to get at is I still think we can form community. Um, it's just going to be different. Um, and, you know, and what it feels like is going to be different. Um, but and we can fret or we can say, actually, that's OK. And exactly. opportunity. you know, um, if, if there's. One thing that I think here in sort of the twilight of my career, and not that I'm not that I'm hoping that it ends in the next, you know, two weeks or something, but you know, in the twilight of my career, I hope that um, you know that we can keep feeling, you know, a sense of hope in the midst of all of this, and that we can keep moving forward, you know. And if we're reaching people in a different way, we're still reaching people. I told somebody not too long ago that who would have thought that a pandemic would be the richest even evangelical moment of my career. You know, I've done more evangelism in the last 18 months than maybe I did in the 18 years before that. Um, wow. Uh, you know, it's just it's been an extraordinary opportunity. Even a little church like ours, you know, every Sunday we've got people from seven or eight states and two or three countries. Um, watching. Uh, and I've even put some of those people on church committees when they were meeting totally by the Zoom <laughs> meetings. Um, you know, there so is nothing quite like you have found a church community, then here, let me put you on a committee. That's and right. Have a person zoom in from Hawaii for, di- for a discernment. Yeah. Committee. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was really incredible. Uh, and they were a vital member of, the, of that particular committee. Because they had perspective. They had perspective that nobody else had. Mm. Because they had distance. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I was thinking about is at the beginning of this, and I I think that, um, and I'd like to hear your perspective on this from as a church planter and and, and sort of a missional voice in the church. But at the beginning of this, I remember that right when the lockdown started and all the churches had shut down, 
um, you and I had a phone call and you brought in a, a person from your church who's an audiovisual person. And we went through the list of equipment, everything yeah. that would, was needed, how to do Facebook Live, how to make the move to YouTube, how to do those things. And um, I was like, these are the steps that you have to take. Right. One of the things that I was so impressed with is that Holy Cross, like took, you guys took every single step St. Martin's did. Sometimes the scale was smaller. I mean, you don't have a podcast room or, but you took every step that we took um, uh, to your scale. And it really has shown, shown fruits. The other day I was at a cross country meet with Lydia and a person ran up and hugged me and started talking to me. I had no idea who they were. Yeah, I had never met the person or seen the person in my life, but they had been watching church and being a part of church for the last two years and introduced me to people as their priest. Yep. Well, I had a, <laughs> almost a similar kind of event um, uh, two weeks ago, one week ago, something like that. Uh, we had a, a, a church Christmas bazaar and um I was uh, I actually was cooking hot dogs and hamburgers and things like that. And people were coming up and buying hot dogs and hamburgers. This young lady oh, came up who I knew. Um, I did know her. Um, so in that way, the story is different. I did her wedding. Um, I don't know, two and a half years ago, um, three years ago, something like that, probably three years ago. And I and I said, it's so great to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. She said, I see you every week, twice a week every Sunday and every Wednesday night. And I was blown away. Um, You know, it's, uh, you know, and Caitlin, maybe you can talk about this more than more than I can. But we have a generation that is so used to doing things through a screen and through a device. Um, And so here's this young woman and I've got others in the church, um, you know, children of members of the church who are coming to church every single week, but I've never met them. Um, you know, some of them live other places and they're, and they're coming every week. And there's something, you know, that the Episcopal church, I think is so caught up in to a certain degree in my generation. Um, and, um, that, uh, that being church for a new generation, that this may be this use, use of technology may be in fact, a significant part of the future. Yeah. So from my perspective, and this is like very personally, um, right. I moved to Columbia all of like three seconds before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So didn't have much of an opportunity to like build a community here (laughs) or even get to know like my other clergy colleagues besides Mitch. Um, And so right at the start of the pandemic, uh, there was a bunch of us goofing around together on Twitter and it turned into a whole thing. And so we started a group chat all together um, as clergy from all over the country. Most of us are in our like first cures or are pretty early in our ministry. And that group chat has been going strong for two and a half years now and has become my clericus, basically. Right. Um, it's the group of people that like in the midst of all of this craziness, in the midst of figuring out how to be a brand new priest, I have leaned on like we've leaned on each other and we have supported each other and you know in some ways we joke about all being the friends in our phones or or the friends on the internet but they're very real friends they're people who've mailed me gifts and have shown up at my zoom birthday parties and half of them are coming to my wedding you know like 
And that for all of us, it's just very natural that, of course, that's where a lot of our friends are. Those are the people that are having the same kinds of life experiences that I'm having, and we can all bond and support each other in it. And, and so the question becomes for, you know, people my age in some ways and where I'm where I am. And even in a church like Holy Cross, it is an older congregation and certainly in a traditional building with, you know, kind of traditional trappings and all that type of thing is that we have to remember uh, what, you know, an Archbishop of Canterbury said at the beginning of the last century. And that is the church is the only organization that exists for the for the benefit of people who are not members of it. Um, and. Um, it's, you know, you, we have to remember that we, it, however we do evangelism and however we welcome newcomers, whether they're in person or online, that we have to remember that it's that that we have to move towards other folks rather than other folks move, expecting other folks to move towards us. Uh, that uh, we need that to meet people. that shows up in some of the tiniest decisions that you make in all of this too. Right? Absolutely. Like when we went to streaming, we very much decided that we were going to use YouTube because absolutely anybody could click on a YouTube link and join. Right. Meanwhile, we're getting, you know, advertising emails from 12 different church software companies about how you can have a private live stream with a password that only your members can access. Right. Which well, is and that's the trouble so about, counterintuitive to how that should be working. Yeah, and, and that's part of we're we're not doing YouTube. We're still doing a Facebook live stream. You know, but you know, we're reaching, you know, we're still doing, you know, somewhere between 150 and 200 views every week, which for, Yeah, and it's still public. which for us and it's public um and it's, you know, it's for anybody and you know, the emails that I've gotten from time to time, the, you know, the, or the messages, you know, and personal messaging and stuff like that, you know, from people, I don't have a clue who they are, but we've made a difference, you know, and, and as a part of that, I've also done um, pastoral care on FaceTime. Who would have ever thought that that was going to be um, <laughs> done last rites, you know, by FaceTime. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just different. And if, if we're not going to at least try in this new world, we're going to, you know, we're going to get further and further behind. Um, and we need, you know, the church still is trying to catch up to society and and backing up is not going to help us with that. <laughs> no, it's not going to help at all. It's a... Uh, um... It's, it is an absolutely goofy and strange, strange time, but it is a time for, for missional voices. And it is a time where lay ministries absolutely have an opportunity to shine and take us in different directions. Mm -hmm. right. um, I have been so impressed and so thankful and so grateful here at St. Martin's for all the people who work on the outside of the building. I never... Uh, right. We are using our, our landscaping now to the, the fullest potential outside parties, outside Bible studies, outside confirmation classes, uh, a, a garden. Now that's um, the next stage of the garden is going to be an outdoor classroom um, where people can learn about gardening and, and, and meals and all of those things. But people have an opportunity now to offer their gifts to the community and to the church. And some of it's technology and some of it's just looking at our spaces differently and, and seeing all of our grounds. I think COVID in that sense has given us a gift in some ways. Yeah, I, you know, I think so. Um, we're getting ready to change. 
we've taken out a playground that was falling apart and not being used. And, t- and we're in the midst of turning it into a biblical garden with plants that are in the Bible and things like that, and using that to teach kids Bible. Um, and, you know, a lot more needed in some ways than, you know, what a playground was that people were using for 15 minutes a week. Um, you know, cause we don't have school or preschool or things like that, like you do. Um, we've just added, um, well, I just did the contracts, but we're bringing in a counseling service, uh, because one of the things that I've noticed, particularly in our older congregation is a number of people who've been through times of real depression and haven't been able to process that in community. So we've, uh, we're, we're actually giving space to a, um, uh, you know, a professional, um, therapist, um, and, and, you know, and donating the space to their office. Um, and some of those kinds of things that allow the buildings to get used a little bit more, but also allow us to reach out into the community. Uh, so, I mean, that's, uh, you know, just where some of that is, I think. And it does, you know, we've had to, we've had to sharpen our thinking. I think it's the way to put it. We've had to sharpen our thinking. Um, and, um, it, you know, and that's been, you know, that's been a blessing in its own way. So one of the ways that I was taught to do ministry, um, I, like the fancy term for it is asset-based community development. <laughs> really, it's not, it's and looking at your space and the things you have and the people around you and not seeing them as things to hoard but taking inventory of what are all of the gifts around us, even the ones that right. we wouldn't necessarily think about and how can we offer those for, you know, the things we need or, or the holes that we can see plugged. And that was kind of what we did around here with our outdoor spaces. Like what are right. these, you know, gifts of outdoor space that we have and how can we use them um, to bring people together and to develop the community, right? Like how do we take an old playground which has the space of land that can be a real gift in this other direction. Right. Um, you know, who, who are these, like, we, we have an empty office. How can that be a gift for the community? Oh, we can bring in a counselor. Like I see so much of that in this, you know, the pandemic has kind of caused this big flux time in the church of, you know, we all have this moment to stop and look around and say, okay, wait a minute. What are the gifts that we have to offer? And how can we really just like, respond quickly with what we have right and not ask too much of the details yeah and and we have to you know how we respond and where we respond um part of the issue is and it's part of where we were in a conversation a few minutes ago is we have to do it well you know we have to do it well um you know one of the you know the funny thing is is when you're doing on just in-person worship and you know before the pandemic and you go through every single Sunday and some stuff like that. You can almost, don't hear me wrong here, but you can almost mail it in. Um, you know, I've, I've preached on this lectionary for, you know, for I've been through it. How many times in 40 years? You know, um, you know, it's, you know, we've, I've been we've through learned it. that lesson the hard way on our live stream with hot yeah, mics. I've been through it 12, you 13 really times. Used to like, Pre pre live stream church, you could just mumble your way through the Nicene Creed, and now right. everybody on YouTube can hear the right. mumbling. <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's exactly right. You can't do the mumbles. The Lord be with you, and also with you, and lift up your hearts, and you know, you can't you can't do the mumbles. Um, you have to speak distinctly. Uh, 
You know, you have to take care. You have to plan. Um, you know, I had my IT guy in here in my office yesterday and, and going through Christmas. And, you know, and of course, part of what I had to do is calm him down because he wanted to do this, this, and this. And I said, no, you can't do this, this, and this, but you can't do that. Um, but it's, you know, it's, but you have to do it well. You can't, there's nothing about church right now that you can mail in. It's got to be tight. Um, it's got to be planned. It's got to be thought through. You know, sermons have got to be, you know, in some ways, 12, 13 minutes, you know, and it, they've got to be tight. Um, you know, the way the music is, you, you know, if you got to, you can't have a boring hymn and, you know, and send it out online. Uh, you can get by with it when you're only in person. It's got, it just has to be tight. Um, and allow the worship to really flow. Silly things like announcements, you know, on Sunday morning, when we all, used to always do them at half, what I called halftime, you know, after the piece, you'd stand up there and do announcements. Not anymore. That interrupts the flow of, of a tight worship service, of a tight liturgy. So you do announcements at the very beginning of the stream, and then you move your way through the stream and allow it to be, you know, and allow it to be tight. You know, you take direction. You know, I thought, you know, I like to be in charge of the liturgy, but every once in a while, I've got to take direction. Yeah, Scott, Scott's, Caitlin's fiance, Scott, who does our recording, he's, he's, in, he's really the person in charge of the service now because he's running the IT. He, I mean, he, you know, and we go in. We've learned to look for him frantically waving <laughs> in the balcony. Well, we, you know, I do that some. Um, and I, but I also, you know, we go in and practice where we're going to stand. If something new is happening, we go in and, and stand there while camera angles get adjusted and things like that. Whoever thought of that kind of stuff? Um, and, you know, but again, I, something I said a while ago, is, you know, all of this sharpens the thinking. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm paying attention far more than I was paying attention in some ways two years ago. Yeah. Caitlin's starting to hear some of my um, anal tendencies coming out in you of starting church on time. The reason why we pray with the acolytes and stand outside the church 15 minutes beforehand. Yeah, we stand out <laughs> 25 minutes beforehand. Oh, <laughs> dang. So we're out there. It's the best pastoral care time that we do. We yeah. know who we have to follow up with. And you know what? Before church, I remember that stuff. After church, I don't remember it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm tired after church. Um, and so, you know, that greeting afterwards, you know, it, it doesn't sink in near as much as what happens before church out in front. That's mm -hmm. very true. So, but it, it's that, it is that tightness. And we have a funeral this Saturday and the, the, our musician asked what I wanted. I said, I wanted it clean. I wanted it tight. I wanted it starting on time and being perfect. Yeah, and Chris, I don't know about you guys, but we're even live streaming funerals and weddings. We are. Mm -hmm. We are. And that that becomes one of a, a funeral and a wedding now live streamed become your most viewed services and one of your greatest opportunities for evangelism yep. because they're going out to all of that person's family, all of that person's friends in yep. in your own community. Right. That might not make make it to the church. And so well, the, now, the wedding that I did three or four weeks ago. Uh, the bride was from Ecuador. 
We had 50 families in Ecuador watching. That's, That's awesome. And even the families that aren't local, you know, right? The Episcopal Church isn't just a whole bunch mm-hmm. of individual parishes. We're one church. Right. And so even if somebody isn't going to darken the doors of your parish by watching a tight liturgy at your church, they're going to explore their local church, essentially. Mm-hmm. I was joking with some of our people at the altar guild party mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. We figured out that a bunch of them are going to be on the Camino pilgrimage the weekend of my wedding. Right. And they were all like, is it going to be live streamed? And so I, th- I think there's going to be some little, you know, cafe somewhere along the Camino. It's just going to be a bunch of St. Martin's people crowded around a phone watching my wedding. Right. Yeah. Well, when is it? Uh, June. Middle uh, of June. Well, I'll be back. <laughs> so, as I'll be on the Camino for um, all of uh, May, for the end of April and all of May. That's awesome. So, Dad, what words of encouragement would you have for not only for your church, for, for St. Martin's, for the church in this time? As we well, come back together, as we're sort of reemerging. Yeah. Um. Well, first of all, I think this is a, I think, first of all, I am a hopeful person, um, you know, and I, and I really do believe that there is a tremendous opportunity in all this. I think we can get back to some of our um, evangelism roots um, and, and, and some of those roots of, of reaching out um, to share the gospel. And some of that's in new and different kinds of ways. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day um, that we have, uh, we talk about it, the Feast of Pentecost, you know, the disciples going out and the apostles going out speaking in other languages. And I think the part of what we have to do is learn how to speak, you know, some other languages, all in English. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a new language. Um, I think that uh, I think we've got to be thrilled with the number of people that are watching Um and that we have to believe that in some ways that God is speaking to them. And if they never darken our doors, I wonder if they won't darken other doors someplace. That it's not about keeping score at Holy Cross. It's about, you know. Keeping score you know, for the kingdom. At the risk of sounding like my Southern Baptist brothers and sisters, it's about <laughs> winning souls. Uh, and uh, I, I think we've got to we've got to recognize that we're in what is an absolute wonderful opportunity. Um, it is also a scary opportunity. And I think that part of being um, encouraged is to recognize that there's, it's a little scary. You know, what's it going to be like if that uh, report um, uh, that came out, of, you know, a few weeks ago, the Wall Street Journal, you know, talked about, uh, you know, said that, you know, somewhere between 50 and 60 percent of people have actually come back to church. Uh, you know, um, what are, are we going to be scared by that? Or are we going to say, you know what, that 50 or 60 percent that came back, they came back because they really wanted to be here. And they may be the people that can help us change the world. Um, mm-hmm. And um, we just, you know, we just need to keep pushing and, and keep pushing forward. And I believe that God's placed in front of us an opportunity, um, unlike any that I've seen, in my 40 years of ordained ministry, um, you know, I, I've, it's, it's scary that I've never lived through anything like this. And yet at the same time, it's almost thrilling um, in a weird kind of way that I get to live through a time like this. 
um, because I've had to learn, I've had to grow, I've had to do all those kinds of things. And it's allowed in some ways our congregation to do the same thing. Uh, and I think we can keep doing that. Uh, I, but I do think we have a choice. And I think we have, I think we absolutely have a choice and we can choose to embrace the opportunity or we can choose to complain about it and draw back up into our shells, um, whatever our shells may be, including the shell of the buildings that we hold dear. That's something that I've appreciated that you've talked about recently, Mitch, is that we have a real opportunity right now. You know, if, if we're looking at like two thirds of the folks who were once here currently being here with that final third, we have an opportunity to go find new people. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have an we have an opportunity to go find the folks who are looking. Yep. And and seeking God. And oh, by the way, hurting. Yeah. And hurting. I think that's an, one of the questions that we've been asking in these podcasts is why church. And we know for a fact that 2021 and 2022, or 20, into 2022, that um, there is an increased case. There's an increased amount of people who have said that they're they're depressed. Yep. There's an increased amount of people who have said, you know, in, in, in Gallup polls that they've contemplated things like suicide. Yep. There's an increased need for mental health um, ministries, but mental health care. Yep. Um, we know for a fact that there's an increase in people of all ages um, from elementary school to senior citizens who have said that they have thoughts and feelings of loneliness. Yep. Well, church community. And, and not to mention, it's not the mean, only answer for all of those things, but church community is a piece of the answer for all yeah. of those things. Let me add into your into your list, into your laundry list there, um, the opioid overdoses and things like that, which yeah. have skyrocketed in the last, you know, 12, 14 months. Yeah. And so we. Which is, is people trying to escape that depression mm-hmm. and that hurt and everything else. I think it, it is. And I, I and so I. There is a reason and there is a need for church, but um, we have to, we, we can't stay inside of our buildings and, and wait for people to come to us. We have to go out and, and make our presence known and invite and pull people in and right. welcome them in. Right. Um, one of the things that we talked about in our finance committee uh, meeting a couple of weeks ago was that St. Martin's is not going to be in a position of begging. We are not going to take a posture of, of begging. For people to come back, we are going to take a position of welcoming people back, but also inviting new people in. And I'm so pleased to be able to say to our parish that that we had um, 24 new pledging units, people who have never pledged before, um, join our church and and, and make a pledge to St. Martin's. Um, That's something that needs to be celebrated and just sung about even. I'm so grateful for it. But... That doesn't come from a position of please, please, please help us. It comes from a position of this is a this is a place, and we think you should support it. We think it's a good place, and, yep. and we want to share it with others. We give because we want to share, right? And um, it's it's just a interesting time. But there is you're right. There is a distinct choice for every church to make. So, and to not well, choose is to choose. To yeah. not choose is to. to to be like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a choice. Yeah. There's a circle in, in Dante's Inferno for the fence centers. That's right. 
Um, so, well, I know somebody of, else has read the trilogy. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, we we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Anything? This is your time. Anything you want to say to to St. Martin's that will embarrass me or? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, no. the floor is yours. No, I would I would not do that. But um, I I I'm grateful. You know, the one of the things that I'm grateful for, um, you know, in in St. Martin's, and one of the things I would thank St. Martin's for is is the place that it's given to you and your family. Um, and you know, in the, uh, the place you are, um, uh, I can confidently tell the folks at St. Martin's how much you love them, um, and how much you feel a part of, a part of them. And, um, you know, as a, as a, as a father and in some ways as a senior priest, um, I'm grateful for that, uh, because, uh, I know that, um, uh, I know that when clergy are healthy, congregations can be healthy. And um, and when they're working hard together, it just makes a world of difference. Um, I'm grateful for that place in my life. You know, right now that uh, I'm in, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm supposedly retired and working part time, but you know, I'm in the you know, in some ways, the best job I've ever had. And I've in in some ways, I've said that about every single job I've ever had um, inside the church and had some terrific experiences, but. Being happy where you are, and um, and I would tell the folks at St. Martin's that I know for a fact that you're happy where you are. Um, and as a again as a dad and as a sort of a senior priest in the church, um, I'm deeply grateful for that. Um, and um, it, you know, it's it's odd in a, in a lot of ways the conversations that you and I have with one another. I mean, it's interesting to have the family conversations, but it's also fun to have the professional conversations. And uh, that's, you know, I look forward to that all the time. It's a different dynamic. Um, yeah. And uh, one that I'm, I'm grateful for and one that we didn't have when you were a canon to the ordinary no. as much. Um, but now that we're both in parishes yeah. together, it's yeah. a funny, fun thing. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a whole different world, you know, being, you know, sort of an executive in the church than it is being a pastor in the church. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a story for another podcast, perhaps. But, you know, I know what it's like to be unhealthy as well as what it's like to be healthy. Um, and, um, you know, I'm grateful, you know, for the healthy, uh, you know, yeah. you know, that I have now. Uh, maybe that's another a conversation another time. We can do that one at a different time. Well, and, and just thank you. And yeah, Caitlin, thank you so much. I'll let you finish this up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a canned closing that that we normally plug in here. That says something about like subscribe, like, and blah, 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 blah. So I'll, I'll plug that in after. I've got that. That's, okay. That happens in post. It happens so, in editing. Okay. Well, thank- uh, so, so it was very nice meeting you, um, even if Thanks. it was in this way. Um, but like we said, this counts. It does count. <laughs> this kind of uh, meeting counts. You know, I look forward to the in-person, but this counts. This, this counts. This is a podcast of St. Martin's in the Fields in Columbia, South Carolina. Pay us a visit here on campus, come worship with us on Sundays, or visit us online at smifsc.com.
Be sure to like, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your podcast channels. And leave a comment. Let us know if you like this episode, if you like this format. We want to hear from you. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.